Welcome in, everybody, to ACC Football and Beyond for this Tuesday, March 31st. Hope all continues to be well for you folks. I know it's a very difficult time, and hopefully um, these podcasts each and every day are a little bit of a respite from the real world important stuff that's going on. Uh, but we're certainly going to do our part. And preparing for the draft is uh, just a month away, so that's been uh, the basic um, day-to-day operation uh, that I'm involved in. A little bit different this year, uh, less uh, meetings with teams in person and more from a um, uh, a uh, electronic viewpoint, which has been fine and certainly making the adjustments. But anyway, got a few things to get to today on, speaking of virtual, uh, some things that are going on around college football and some ideas about potentially uh, plannings that are taking place uh, with the hopes that we're going to have maybe not a spring. Uh, that may be completely impossible to expect, but maybe we can hope for some summer getting ready for football-type activity. We'll give you an update on that. Um, scouting reports, draft room-style scouting reports today on T. Higgins, A.J. Terrell, and Cole Komet. Uh, some transfer news, some recruiting news, as we always have it. Um, some NFL draft film room nuggets uh, outside of those players that mention, um, as well as some miscellaneous stuff uh, around the world of college football. And the ACC, you know how we do it by now. We talk about the world of college football at the top, then we kind of recap the day that was in college football while going to a recap of the week that was in a particular conference, with today being the ACC. A reminder of a couple of things um, to flip on over to our Pro Football Podcast, where we've got the latest in the draft, the latest information um, every day, talking about um, free agency, draft preparation, whole bunch of stuff there. Uh, and it's all brought to you by our great folks at 401k Generation, bringing you this podcast, bringing you our pro football podcast each and every day. They are the experts in money management, investment inquiries, financial planning, whatever your needs are in the finance industry, they can help you with that. Uh, it is a tough time. It is something that is on everybody's mind. It is a sense of worry and concern, no doubt. They can help you answer some of those questions, maybe calm some of those fears. Um, you'll want to give them a call. No obligation, phone call. Learn about what they do, um, how they might be able to help. Maybe you don't need somebody right now. Maybe down the road you do. Who knows? Um, just take it as it comes. Check them out today. Give them a call or give them a text at 1-866-998-5879. Look, they're licensed in all 50 states. So they can be of help to you, regardless of which state you are calling from. It's a reminder, too, that if you are looking to promote or brand your business or yourself, we can absolutely help you do that. All you got to do is drop us a line at LandryFootball.com. Contact Chris, and we'll get in touch with you about that very thing today. 
If you want to make sure that you're catching this podcast and the pro podcast each and every day, sign up for it. Um, wherever you get your podcasts, sign up for Landry Football's conference call, and that'll get you all of them. So make it real easy for you. If you got a question, and a good friend Bob from Pennsylvania sent a question in. Um, it's a really good one. It's a really thought-provoking one, and it is about – in fact, I'm going to get to it pretty early in the podcast because uh, – in the national segment because it really goes into the bigger issue of recruiting and the big-time programs, and we're going to get to that pretty early. But I want to talk a little bit off the top. Uh, we mentioned to you yesterday that the SEC office has approved the use of virtual – meetings with the uh, and you have to you know uh, excuse me I'm not the expert on all the uh, Skype and stuff I'm even I, I do I've got stuff on Uber and Opal and I don't even know what those stuff means but we it's video conferencing stuff virtual meeting stuff that I'm involved in team viewer stuff or anyway that is being worked out as something that the SEC is involved in <clears throat> to begin their teaching of players virtually during this time. And the Pac-12 has approved the meeting between coaches and players as well with the limitations on face-to-face contacts. Um, everyone's going to get on board with it. Um, virtual group activity, film study are permitted two hours per week and four hours per week for all other sports. This is this is in the Pac-12. Um, so it's better than nothing. We'll see. Listen, uh, the Pac-12 is now the third to join. SEC and the Big Ten have uh, – SEC and the Big 12 have. I suspect the other conferences are going to get involved. There's no excuse now. If they feel that they're going to be behind, then it's on them. Uh, I think this is kind of where you need to go. And this is also, though, exposes one of the problems – we have in college football. We shouldn't have an SEC directive, a Pac-12 directive, a Big 12 directive, a Big 10 directive, an ACC directive. We shouldn't have that. It should be a college football directive. And the NCAA is a little too general. It's over everything. There needs to be a college football directive of what you can or can't do. Don't you think there should be some directive of what the college basketball coaches could do? I know their season would be finishing up with the Final Four this weekend, but there are things you can do with your schedule. It should be a subsection under the NCAA that oversees the sports. I'm not going to get off on that tangent, but, again, that's part of the problem that everyone should be operating in a similar fashion. What if one conference is allowed more hours to work on football than other conferences. Well, then you're going to have, well, it's not fair. We only got two hours a week. They got three. I mean, it's just, you just opening up a can of worms time and time again. I'm going to stop. I promise. The Big 12 now announced on Sunday that it's postponed all athletic activities through May 31st. And it's not a major departure with the Big 12, as already said, but it's, certainly made changes what they're allowed to do, and that, that's with the virtual issues that I'm talking about. Now, listen, I've been asked this, and I don't want to – I'm not in the prediction business, and, you know, people have asked me, <clears throat> well, what's gonna, what do you think? What do you think? I have no idea if we're going to have a football season. Okay, look, I mean, 
I can. I'm not a, a optimistic or a pessimistic person. I'm very analytical, just by nature of what I do. I'm having a little bit of a hard time understanding, and I'm certainly open. If any of you out there listening, if you have any real insights into the medical feel of infectious diseases, I mean, I don't want, yeah, I have a gut feeling we're going to play football, Chris. Uh, I have a gut feeling we're not. Okay, great. We all have gut feelings, please. That's not what I'm looking for. But if you have some insight into um, the following, my concern is, the social distancing hopefully will work. And hopefully by June, July, or certainly God willing, August, it will have maybe curtailed the spread of this awful virus. But my question to anybody out there, and please send me, again, if you've got some real understanding of this, I'd really like your feedback on this. And I've reached out to some doctors, and, you know, I want to get their viewpoints on it. But if you know someone, and if you certainly are of of one, please would appreciate dropping a line. If we don't have a vaccine that's usable, if we open up and eliminate the social distancing at some point, let's say April 1st, well... Aren't we going to create uh, another, just a, just a recap of this, of, of starting over from scratch, meaning the virus is going to start to spread again? If the Dr. Fauci said today that he thinks there's a really good chance that come the fall, this is going to spread again. Well, if we don't have a vaccine to cure it, to stop it, all we're doing at this point is trying to ease the pressure off our health facilities in this country. If it continues to spread, and it takes 8 to 12 months to go through um, the federal guidelines, um, you know, how, how are we going to, you know, the FDA, for example, how, you know, how are we going to, get this solved for good or is it going to wear itself out or if it comes back in the fall is it going to be less um viral i mean you know in other words if we go back to work go back to school let's play football in on august 1st and let's prepare to for the season aren't we going to be facing this in september october are we going to have to shut down again i'm not quite sure where we are in that i don't understand it honestly I, i don't know I don't know what it is. I'm I'm hoping that when we can go back to some sense of normalcy, we can go back with the understanding of okay, we've not just you know slowed down the spread, but now we've got this under control to where we can fix it, so we don't have to go through this again with this same disease. Don't know. Don't know how that's going to play out. But anyway, um, before I get into kind of recapping the ACC transfer news, recruiting news, draft news. I want to answer a question that good friend Bob sent in. 
Bob went back and he looked at the top 300 players. I guess he's using the ESPN's top 300 players for the years 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020. These are recruits, recruiting data. So he found the following data for the recruits that went to Georgia, Alabama, LSU, Clemson, Ohio State, and Oklahoma. And basically, uh, to sum it up, uh, in 2017, in the top 100 players attending those schools, 42 uh, of the top 378. In 2018, 46 and 79. 2019, 37 of the top 100 and 79 of the top 300. In 2020, 46 of the top 100 and 88 of the top 300. So it's talking about 43 of ESPN Top 100 and 81 of the top 300 attended what he's calling the Chalky Six, the, the Elite Six recruiting programs. Now, we all know that Oklahoma's not won a title. Georgia hasn't won one. It's been a little bit since Ohio State has, but, but certainly have won it. Uh, Clemson and Alabama have been the most consistent programs. LSU jumped into the fray and got one, but we've seen these six programs. He's absolutely right. Those are the six, a chalky six, good way to put it. So he's asking. He says, uh, he says uh, if they're 10 of the chalky six, what well, I concede is a significant number. But then again, a lot of players that aren't rated that higher draft in the NFL. Yes. He says, he asks, as far as the college football playoffs is concerned, this begs the question, is there more to this than just the talent? Is it also related to the coaching staff's ability to, to adjust your games and develop talent? Realize that you win with the Jimmys and Joes, but uh, if there's bad coaching, bad development, and bad in-game adjustments, will that team be in the college playoff? Or is it better to have a staff that can recruit like crazy and be mediocre? Uh, so do, do these six schools have the best coaching staffs also? So let's go back and answer them one by one. You mentioned that a lot of players that aren't rated – high or draft in the NFL. True. Football is a game of numbers and depth. So you can have really good players that end up being drafted. Um, you know, we've got players at a small school every year in some schools that are, you know, not necessarily, certainly they don't all come from these power schools, although a lot of them do, Bob, and everyone. But a uh, a lot of them don't because that's not enough when you look at all the players. <clears throat> there are a lot of good players that can make it that don't come from these schools. But, so you might have a player, you know, for example, that, you know, can come from a South Carolina or an – well, let's look at the draft this year. Um, You know, the first one is – pick's going to be Joe, uh, an LSU pick. Then probably two Ohio State picks and Chase Young and Jeff Okuda in some order. But you're going to have a quarterback and two will go high. And you're going to have a linebacker and Simmons of Clemson go high. Um, but you're going to have a quarterback and Herbert go high. Uh, uh, you're going to have C.D. Lamb and, and some receivers at Alabama. Go so you're going to have a lot of them. And if you look at the top guys in the top ten, you know what? 
Bobby's going to look a lot like your chalky six. But there are other players like uh, Makai Becton of Louisville. Well, that's that, and he may have the most potential of any offensive lineman coming out in this NFL draft. And he's coming out of Louisville. But Louisville doesn't have a lot of those guys. But the other schools, the Chalky Six, have a number of them. So football is a game of numbers. And those schools are getting more of the good players. There are a lot of schools getting good players. There are. There's there's a lot of four-star guys that go elsewhere and some maybe three stars that are misevaluated or developed well that become really good players, but there are not enough of them. If you can go to a, a Memphis that puts maybe some good players in the league every year, well, it doesn't mean they don't they don't have the numbers to compete with an SEC school, but they can be really good. So that's just kind of the way it is. Uh, Iowa produces is a perfect example. Who develops players probably better than it's particularly certain positions in Kurt Ferentz and his staff. I mean, they every year they've got a few good players, but they don't have the overriding numbers of an Ohio State. Therefore, their team is not as good because football is a game of numbers. So you're asking, as far as the college playoffs are concerned, is it more to this than just the talent? Well, yes, it's more to it than just the talent, but the talent is not just in the numbers of the players going to where you mentioned, because that's a big part of it, but it's the amount, the volume, and the quantity, I should say. Let's call it the quantity of the quality players. Quality players go everywhere, but the quantity of the quality goes at the chalky six more than the others. And, look, it's always been that way. Now, it hasn't always been the same schools, Clemson wasn't always in that group. It used to be Miami. Florida could kind of make a claim to be in there. At time, Texas has been there. Um, you know, Penn State, Bob the Penn State fan, has been on the cusp at times, not quite to that level, but, but pretty good. So there's more to it than just talent. The coaching ability to develop players, to use them in scheme, adjust during games, definitely has a lot to do with it. I think we saw Mark D'Antonio, who's obviously stepped aside at Michigan State, took a team to the national playoffs. Well-coached team, got the most out of their team, and won a Big Ten and, and had good players. Did they have as many good players? Were they the most talented team in the Big Ten the year that they won? No. But they were very well-coached but they were exposed when they went up against other good coach team that had a lot more talent, and that was Alabama, if you remember. Uh, Chris Peterson at Washington got into the playoffs. Now, you can make the case that eh, they weren't, weren't national playoff caliber in terms of roster. That's true. But they were well coached and, again, got exposed by Alabama, which is what? Another really coached, well-coached team that – was more talented. So that's a double whammy. I mean, look, you remember when Jim Trestle won the national championship at Ohio State? He had good talent. He didn't have as good a talent as Larry Coker did at Miami. But he beat him. You know, so yes, 
coaching's important. Players are important. It does matter about the Jimmys and the Joes, but the X's and O's do matter. If there's bad coaching, you can underachieve with a team. Bad development, you can underachieve. Bad in-game adjustments, you can lose a game that you should perhaps have won. Um, Look, some will say Georgia has had as much talent as Alabama. And Kirby Smart, I think, is a good coach and gets too much criticism. But there have been a play here, a play there, where they at least have been outcoached by Nick Saban, and it has probably cost them a national championship. It certainly cost them one and maybe cost them a chance at another. So we'd be talking about a Kirby Smart who's won two titles, perhaps, and maybe two less titles for Nick Saban, and we have a completely different dynamic. But those things matter. Those optics matter. Kirby, I think, will improve. So I think he's a good coach, and I think he's a good game day coach, but maybe not elite. But he's recruited very well. So all of those things are important. So you say, is it better to have a staff that can recruit like crazy and be mediocre? No. You need to have a – if you're going to be one of the chalky ones, you have to have both. You have to recruit like crazy, be really good. But part of having these players is developing them. And so you got to recruit them. you got to develop them. Well, how do you do that? Well, success breeds success. It breeds more money at the program. You can pay coaches more. In Clemson's case, you can keep the staff together longer. In Alabama's case, you can have a lot of extra coaches and analyst-type guys. There's a lot of things that you do that these chalky programs have similar looks to them. But you've got to get great players, and you've got to develop players, and you've got to be able to coach them. You've got to be able to motivate them. All of those things important. So these, if you look at these six coaching staffs, Georgia, outstanding. LSU's got a good coaching staff, but they've won one year. So let's let's we can put them in there, but let's you know they won one. Ohio State's good coaching staff. Oklahoma offensively good coaching staff, and they've been what really good offensive. Clemson and Alabama, really good coaching staffs. Again, Georgia as well. So you're you're right there, Bob. But it's not a one or the other. You better have both. You better have talent. You better be able to coach it. Look, there was a time not long ago where Clemson was putting a lot of players in the league in the NFL. And they were losing and falling short. But we go into the playoff era and Dabo's found his niche. And he's got a great staff. He, first of all, he's got a pretty free run in the ACC, but don't let that fool you. They're really good, and they're in a position that if they played a tougher schedule, they would navigate it pretty well, I think. But they recruit well, they develop well, and you got to have both. There's some that recruit not to this level, but recruit well and coach them up. Some guys that recruit may be similarly but fall a little short. Um, I think those things are important. Why is USC slipped so much? USC is a program that historically you would put in the chalky whatever. They're not. Why aren't they? One, they are not recruiting at an elite level. 
So, and they're also not great at developing. And their in-game strategy has been at times good, at times just a little bit better than mediocre. So that that's been a problem, and all of that ha- all of that's relative within their league. But in terms of the national stature, they're not even close. So look at it. I mean, you know, we'll see how this this plays out going forward. But can some other programs penetrate it? I mean, do you do you put LSU in that group consistently? Well, I don't know. I mean, if they get back in the national playoffs again within the next couple of years, I think you could. But what if somebody else? What if a uh, uh, a Texas A&M or Auburn does? Or you know, I think Georgia's consistently in Alabama and Clemson in Ohio State. I do think that Oklahoma is in that group, but I think they're a little bit below, and I think they've been a little bit of a byproduct of a conference that they're just better than, uh, which you can say the same about Clemson, but the difference is when Clemson has made the playoffs, they've won titles. Oklahoma's not quite done it. Great. I mean, absolutely great question, and you hit it. It is about talent. Those those schools are recruit talent but they coach them up and if you if you recruit well in college you got a chance I've seen some very average coaches get their teams to a very high level it's a little bit different now in the playoffs where you might have to win two games against teams of equal talent or close to it and coaching becomes more involved in it whereas in the past Maybe you only had to play one game, and that one game might not have been against the best opponent. It might have been something that geographically was a fit, and you won it, and you got voted a title. It's a different era. So I think coaching is more a factor than it ever has been, but it is it is about players and developing those players. Great question, Bob. Thank you so much. All right. Let's get into some transfer news. Former Boston College redshirt freshman Aaron Gathers is transferring to West Carolina. Uh, Marshall redshirt freshman Akeen Pauling is transferring to Charleston Southern. Uh, Georgia Tech redshirt senior uh, defensive back Nagani Kerr is transferring, entering the transfer portal. Um, Louisville's getting uh, a transfer guard, Cam DeGeorge, from Connecticut. Good player, can help him in the run game. Buffalo's redshirt senior tackle, Chiduzi Anoka, has transferred to Boston College. Short uh, but stout, uh, quick defensive tackle. Um, was pretty solid. Mac players uh, going to BC. So good get for them, obviously, um, with the background, with Jeff being there, Jeff uh, Halfley, um, in Ohio and being familiar with the MAC programs, uh, getting a guy like that that can come in and help them in a reserve role anyway. North Carolina State redshirt senior DeMonte Ram has entered his name into the transfer portal as um, Florida State's redshirt sophomore running back Deshaun Corbin was granted immediate eligibility to play in 2020. Just transferred this offseason from Texas A&M, so this ruling is pivotal. Um, Corbin was the starter coming out of camp but played only two games last year due to a hamstring injury. Good players expected to battle the for the running back position. Florida State with um, Kalan Leborn, a uh, good weapon for uh, Mike Norvell. Some recruiting news around the ACC this week. Uh, Virginia received a verbal from three-star athlete Malachi Fields, 6'4", 202, 202. 
Didn't have a lot of options from Charlottesville, Virginia. Played quarterback for his prep team, but likely going to play receiver. Pretty good athlete, not highly recruited. Uh, Liberty VMI, William and Mary. Uh, they also got another receiver, Josiah Davis, a three-star kid. Uh, also uh, with the Liberties, Marshalls, Illinois, um, Illinois kid um, from Charlotte. So um, he's, um, you know, two solid players that kind of fit the mold and profile of the three-star Virginia kids. Uncommitted four-star running back, uh, Prophet Brown, released his top six, um, 5'11", 180. Um, good speed. Um he is considering Notre Dame among Michigan, Nebraska, Oklahoma, Oregon, and USC. Um, we'll see if he ends up uh, where Notre Dame kind of fits into the mix, but they, at least they've made him into the top six. Notre Dame received the verbal from three-star defensive end David Abrara. Um, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State were also in the running. Uh, 6'4", 240, took unofficial visits to all three programs prior to the Visitation freeze from Mansfield, Texas. So uh, nice get, uh, I think, a quality get for Notre Dame. It looks like Florida State appears to be the top contender for uncommitted five-star defensive back Corey Collier. Uh, Collier's father played at Florida State. Uh, gives him an edge there. He's definitely elite. He's 6'2", 170s from Miami. Uh, Florida, LSU, Georgia, Clemson. Big hitters are still in the mix. But he's a physical defensive back, really done a good job against the run. Um, not great speed, might grow in to play uh, linebacker at one point. But I think can be a really good safety at the next level and uh, one of the top 15 uh, prospects in the country this upcoming year. But again, Florida State, a little bit of an edge, a familiar edge, uh, uh, a familial edge with his dad being there. Um, part of the Seminole program back in the day. Uncommitted four-star athlete Anthony Beavers does not plan on making the decision until December, but he's looking at a few schools. Uh, Virginia Tech's one of them, along with Michigan State, Arizona State, and USC uh, uh, from uh, Harbor City, California. So for Virginia Tech to get his interest is pretty impressive to this point. Four-star guard Greg Crippen. Uh, from Bradenton, verbally committed to Michigan. He had previously committed to Notre Dame. We told you about him backing out of that. The former ING Academy star is very close with Cesar Ruiz, who is former IMG Academy student, Michigan um, player that is now headed to the NFL. Greg uh, Crippen wants to follow in his footsteps. Uh, Three-star defensive end Greg Carroll. Uh, is verbally committed to Georgia Tech. Good get for them, 6'3", 245. Top 20 player in the state of Tennessee for 2021. Um, received 10 offers. A lot of ACC schools, BC, Louisville, Wake, Memphis, Cincinnati. So we're not talking about one of the elite guys, but one of these guys they feel they can develop into their program. Uh, four-star linebacker Ian Jackson is one of the top, 10 overall prospects in the state of Alabama. Um, but uh, he's got a couple of schools that are interested that are not in the SEC, one of them being Florida State So and Louisville. Um, so it's a long list. We'll see where he ends up, but uh, Florida State's starting to get in on some of these kids now. 
uh, uncommitted three-star running back Roscoe Burton announced that he will uh, make his commitment, and we'll see where it is. He's from uh, from Florida, and uh, you know Boston College is one of his schools. I think he's going to end up going to Purdue. We'll see how that plays out. Um, <clears throat> uh, Want to get into some recruiting? Uh, excuse me, some draft information. Uh, a couple of notes too. A little little note out of Syracuse. Dino Babers is announcing that he's suspending interviews for himself and the team indefinitely. It's always been tight lip in this program since he's got there, but um he's not real open about injuries and whatnot. And listen, I'm I'm actually okay with that. Um but um not only is he kind of walling off interviews, he would not tell reporters how he and his team have been working through the ongoing pandemic and you know, a lot of people have kind of just been asked open-ended questions. <clears throat> He's trying to keep it a little quiet, which is, I don't know that there's anything, any news there, but he's kind of become a little bit um, closed in on that. And, uh, I, again, no, it's something that's come out there. It's not not really news. I don't think that there's any issues or any problems, but something that I thought was, uh, was out there and, and at least he made known, so wanted to see wanted to just mention that also um as we're kind of looking around the conference and get into some draft news and some um some thoughts isaiah simmons and if you've heard my and hope you did if you hadn't my detailed scouting report on isaiah simmons um he's just a special talent and i keep wondering as the draft gets closer and closer where this may play out in terms of him ending up, and there's a lot of thought about him maybe going as high as four to the Giants, and uh, it would be wouldn't be shocking. Certainly, somebody that I think, just in terms of his overall ability to play the game, certainly one of the best uh, players, if not the best player overall in this draft. Uh, Bronco Mendenhall says uh, a lot of teams have shown a real interest in Bryce Perkins. I certainly respect Bronco and. I like Bryce myself as a later round day three guy, um, and I think a lot of people show interest in at least trying to study and evaluate. Doesn't mean that the more interest they show, the higher his round grade goes or anything like that. Just means that they're doing their due di- ju- uh, due diligence. Another guy that I think's moving up, just not moving up, um, maybe in the eyes of where he may go is. We've talked about Makai Becton. I've also broken down him for you on film. Uh, and he's just such a freak with a lot of natural upside that he could go a lot higher than people might think. Uh, somebody that, and I'm talking high, like definitely, you know, top six, eight type player and maybe the top offensive lineman coming out of this draft, even though um, he's not the most proficient offensive lineman in this draft. There's been a lot of talk about Appalachian State's running back Darrington Evans and being a third-round guy and all that. Look, um, there's a lot of talk that goes on right now. A lot of these you know, guys that like to report on the draft, they're getting this. Talk to this GM, said this. Um, those who know don't talk, and those who talk don't know. And if they're putting information out there, there's a reason they're putting it out there. Uh, Darrington Evans is a really good running back. Um, out of Appalachian State. Check where I got him on the draft board. If you've not checked out the draft board, um, 
would invite you to do so. It's a uh, it's a great resource to use. But he's not a third round. Great. <clears throat> Somebody takes him there. That's that's their business. But it's not a third round talent. Um, some other notes I wanted to mention outside of it: Coastal Carolina defensive end Teron Jackson, raw pass rusher, not fully realized his growth yet. Six two two sixty five, like his athletic traits. Um, I think he's you know needs a lot of technique work. Uh, but somebody I got my eye out on closely. Virginia wide receiver Hasisi Dubois last year in charting it when I was looking at tape um, on some other prospects. He had zero drops over 100 targets this past year. Uh, 6'3", 215. He's the only wide receiver to be targeted over 100 times without dropping one pass. To be targeted that many times is shows reliability and – um, you know, at the NFL, he's going to struggle to separate. But if he can prove himself as a reliable pass catcher as he did in college, uh, he, he's somebody that's got a chance to be really, really impressive. Guys that I'm looking forward to watching next year, Clemson freshman defensive line, Brian Brasis, 6'5", 290. Man, is this kid look special. He moves like a defensive end and a defensive tackle's body way Brent Venables used these guys. I mean, these Clemson defensive linemen, as good and as deep as they've been, none of those guys have come into Clemson looking as good as this guy. If this guy will work, if this guy can be blessed with good health, man, look out a few years for him. I'm curious to see the development of Mikhail Cunningham, Louisville's redshirt junior quarterback, third most efficient passer from clean pockets in 2019. Not yet on the radar for the 2021 quarterback class. Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, some other guys. I'm curious to see how they do this next year. But this guy's got some ability to make some good decisions and make some plays from within the pocket. Also, curious to see what Louisville redshirt sophomore running back Javion Hawkins does uh, as well. I think he's got a really good skill set as a runner. So I'm going to talk a little bit about T. Higgins, A.J. Terrell, and Cole Komet. I want to remind you, though, that to get detailed um, draft board and scouting reports on all these draft prospects, go to LandryFootball.com. Now, take advantage of our scouting season sale. It's the best one we've ever had. Uh, it's the best discount. Uh, for less than $5 a month, it'll get you access to the best draft information the best NFL free agent information, the best college football information, the best recruiting information you can get anywhere from a coaching and scouting perspective, not just from a gathering information and hearing stuff. It's inside information, but it's film room analysis from a veteran coach and scout. So check that out. We think you're going to absolutely love it. Try it out for a month, three months, whatever is your pleasure. But the scouting season offer is the best offer we've ever had, and we think the best deal we got going. So check it out. There's some good receivers in this draft. You've heard that before, right? And, you know, I do think that when you look at the group, you've got Jerry Judy, who we've talked about, C.D. Lamb and Henry Ruggs, and, you know, Justin Jefferson, who we're going to get into a little bit more. T. Higgins is one of the best receivers in this draft. He's got a 
impressive skill set. And in an ordinary year, might be thought of even better or more highly than he is right now. And he's thought of very highly. If you look at T, first of all, he's 6035. 216, 9 and 2 8-inch hands, 34 and 8-inch arms, 81-inch wingspan, 4-5-4-40, 31 vertical, 10-3 broad jump, 4-5-3 short shuttle. <clears throat> Four-star recruit coming out of Oak Ridge, Tennessee, committed to Tennessee in August of 2015, but decommitted from the school to announce his commitment to Clemson. He hauled in 68 receptions, 18 touchdowns, 1,000 yards at his senior year in Oak Ridge. Really good basketball player. Um, helped his team to a 22 record, 15 points, 6-6 six, six rebounds a game. Very few receivers have performed at the same type of level the last couple of years as he has. He's produced big-time receiving grades among the 10 best in the FBS in each of the last two years. He's really had his way with defensive backs, trying to defend them, uh, defend them in tight situations. 6'4 frame, big catch radius. Uh, he's the only receiver to produce um, a grade above 90 against tight coverage, and he picks up an explosive play of 15-plus yards um, on a quarter of those targets. I mean, just... A big play guy, a vertical guy. He's not a guy that's a great separation guy, more build-up speed guy. Uh, he's not like Judy or Lamb in that regard. But he's got a combination of size and ball skills that's really impressive. I mean, he's very complete. Uh, you worry about tall receivers getting off press. I think he does a pretty good job of that. He's got good speed for his size. Again, just ridiculous ball skills, great production. He reminds me a little bit of Martavius Bryant, who came out of Clemson. A little bit of Cortland Sutton, uh, uh, Sutton who, uh, you know, probably plays or runs like Cortland Sutton with build-up speed, with a little bit of Martavius Bryant in him. Catch radius is tremendous. Uh, size, speed, impressive. Highlight reel catches. Doesn't need separation to win down the field. Can climb the ladder on any corner. Uh, quicker at the line of scrimmage than most tall receivers. Got multiple ways to beat press. Can win after the catch. He's got 10-plus broken tackles in 18 and 19. Um, not great at stemming his routes or sharpening out his routes. He's a little bit of a route rounder. Doesn't have great suddenness. But, again, that's kind of typical for bigger guys. they not as quick. Uh, he will let himself get pressed too far to the sideline, and it's not good enough for the receiver, for the quarterback to get the ball in. But the guy's the guy's really a build-up speed type playmaker that I think is going to go pretty high. Uh, check out where I got him on the draft board, and you see some potential targets of where <clears throat> he might end up going. Cole Komet, the Notre Dame tight end is an intriguing guy. It's not a great year for tight ends. There's some good ones. You can help yourself. But there's not particularly early the difference-making type guys that you say, 
this guy is going to change our offense, a la George Kittle, I like George Kelsey. And a lot of those guys, though, end up coming into um, a little bit later. And we've got some other guys we're going to talk about that I think maybe could fit that bill. But for Cole Komet, 605-3262, 10-and-4-inch in hands, 33-inch arms, 79-inch wingspan, 470 one six two ten thirty seven inch vertical ten three broad four four one charge shuttle seven four four three cone. He's one of the top football groups in the country coming out of St. Viator High School in Illinois. He's a top one hundred player overall, top three tight end, uh, caught forty eight passes for seven hundred seventy three yards and four touchdowns in high school. He ended up with sixteen offers. He chose Notre Dame because he wanted to play baseball. And, and uh, football, and he did both. Um, and he stopped playing baseball this past season due to an elbow injury. Had 21 career targets before 19, but he was called on to be a more integral piece of the Notre Dame offense once he returned from injury in week four. He saw 61 targets the remainder of the season and recorded a receiving grade that ranked 18th at the position. It's exposed a bit when he was lined up at receiver. Um Failed to crack the top 25 in both receiving yards and yards per route. Not a player that's going to create on his own or win consistently in single coverage. Uh, well over half of his 550 receiving yards were underneath the coverage or from finding a hole when there's single coverage. Um, he's not a guy that's going to create and create a bunch of big plays. But he's solid, can get stronger, can become a more reliable inline blocker because I think he's got good effort. I think he's got good attitude. He's just got to get a little bit stronger. He's got a nice all-around game. For a big guy, he moves pretty well. For a guy that moves pretty well, he's got good blocking skills, but not great strength. Uh, He's not dynamic. He's not sudden. You know, what he is, is he's a Jeff Hireman. Came out of Ohio State. Kind of a glider off the line of scrimmage. Smooth can get past the linebacker level, ideal size. Um, adjusted very well to off-target, th- off-target throws, got big catch radius, physical running after the catch in the open field. Um, you know, uh, he doesn't do a great job against linebackers who jam him. Uh, he's got, again, got to get a little bit stronger at the point of attack in both the pass game and the run game. Um, I thought they did a really good job of scheming him some plays. Um, but, again, can he go out and be a difference maker? No, he's going to be a guy that's going to get his when everybody else is overplaying some outside receivers. It's not going to make guys miss in the open field. Um more of a tackle dragger than tackle breaker. He doesn't attack the ball in the air. Uh, there's some body catches, even though he's got catch radius. Um, he uh, three three for ten in contested catches last year. Not not what I want to see there. But he's his best football is ahead of him. You know, he's an impressive athlete, big broad shoulders. Again, gliding type athlete. Plays bigger. You know, when the ball's in the air, and I think he's only going to get better. He's effective as a downfield blocker, and he's improved as a point of attack blocker. In short, this guy 
in my opinion, would be good value in the second round. See where I have him graded. Maybe the best tight end in this draft. I just don't think he's a guy that's worth a high pick because I just don't see him as a difference maker. But he's not going to be the next George Kittle. He's not going to do those type of things in the pass game. Now, he can make productive plays for you. He can get open. You can find a way to to work him in the pass game. But he's not a guy that you've got to scheme around. He's a guy that can make plays in both the run and pass game. And I think, again, his best football is ahead of him because I think he's got to get stronger. And when he does, I think he's going to be a different-looking type player. But he's an inline tight end with some athletic ability, and kind of that's his style, and that's where his future is. And finally, A.J. Terrell, the corner from Clemson. Check out where I have him on the draft board. You start to look at the corners in this draft. We know about Jeff Okuda. But um, how does he go? Where does he fit? Uh, Check out the draft board. Got some solid corners in this draft. Uh, can help yourself, and got some safeties in this draft. So see kind of where he fits in in our uh, defensive back draft board on LandryFootball.com. But A.J. is 6011, 195, 9-inch hands, 31-and-2-inch in arms, 75-and-5-8-inch wingspan, 4-4-3-40, 2 15 in the bench, 34-and-a-half vertical, 10-8 in a broad jump, 4-2-7 short shuttle, 709 three-cone. Four-star recruit coming out of Georgia's Westlake High School. Um, Offers from 22 programs, Clemson, Alabama, Auburn. Obviously decided to go to Clemson. At Westlake Terrell, um, 53 tackles, eight tackles for losses, 13 passes, defended two interceptions. First team All-State as a senior in 16. Was only on 242 snaps, but Terrell impressed as a true freshman in 17. He had as many interceptions and pass breakups, six, as he did receptions a lot. Early impact guy in 17. He stepped into a full-time starting role in 18. uh, Graded out above 80%. Over 90% grade against Alabama in the national championship game. That was maybe his star performance. Things didn't go too well in this past year's national championship game. He actually started out pretty well against Jamar Chase, but um, he ended up allowing five receptions for 143 yards and two touchdowns, but he had a good season. He's got the length that you look for. He's got fluidity to play in any scheme. He needs to get a little bit more physical, but he's a starting quality corner. He's a Slimmer, slimmer Xavier Rhodes-type corner. Uh, it's a shame that the vast majority of people are going to think about him when they look at the championship game against Jamar Chase. That's fine. You may get a little fooled because when you dig underneath the surface, uh, this guy's this guy's is a player. He um, fluid long corner. The real tape you should watch is the championship game from last year. Had the pick six, uh, breaking in zone coverage. Uh, long corner, uses his arms very, very well to stick to receivers at the line of scrimmage. Good long speed, uh, consistent ball production, five picks over the last two seasons. Great transition ability for a tall corner, can glide in and out of his cuts. 
needs to get stronger at the catch point, has the tools, but consistently failed to finish. Um, jumpy from off coverage in both man and zone. Double moves are a little bit of an issue for him. Not the same player when not going for jam. He opens the door a little bit too easily. Um, hadn't been tested a whole lot. Needs to get a little bit stronger. Still a little slight, but really, really good player. Um, he reminds me, uh, again, he's a slimmer version of Xavier Rhodes. Uh, I don't think he's quite what uh, Darius Slay was coming out, but really good player with um, the long, fluid physicality in the run game. Um, I think can be a little bit robotic at times in zone coverage. I think this guy's a starter outside, and he's what you're looking for. Big, long corners of the rage, and this guy will be the rage for a lot of them. Look, I, you know, the way I have him, I'm curious to uh, you get a chance to check out where I have him. I may even be a little bit low on him. I, I think I got him graded right, but I can tell you this. He's going to be drafted high as only got 21 first-round grades. Uh, you're going to start to see a number of those guys just by pure numbers that are going to go a little bit higher than that. So check it out over at LandryFootball.com. Uh, a reminder again, you can get that discount, scouting season discount over at LandryFootball.com. That will give you everything you need to know about this draft, about free agency, about all the inside information, all brought to you for a discount of less than $5 a month on a year's membership. So check that out. It's Listen, it's $49.99 for a year. Uh, less than $5 a month. Uh, you can try it out for a month at $9.99 a month, three months, whatever. Whatever is your pleasure, check it out today. This podcast is brought to you, as always, by the great folks at 401K Generation. Give them a call. Give them a text with any of your financial questions, money management, investments, anything to do with investments, finance, they can help you. Want to roll over? Um, an IRA, you've got a setup, want to set up a 401k, whatever uh, you need. If you don't know what you need, give them a call today. Give them a text today, all at the same number, 1-866-998-5879. They're licensed in all 50 states. So check them out. They can help you wherever you're listening to this podcast. And if we can help you out to brand or promote your business, contact us today. We'll get in touch with you. Uh, we can absolutely help you do that. Make sure it's a good fit for you. Uh, we'd love to do it. And make sure that you're signing up for this podcast as well as the Pro Football Podcast over at Landry Football's Conference Call. All the latest information each and every day around the world of college football and our pro football show and um, the world of the NFL. So we got it all covered for you. We appreciate you joining us. Remember to join us tomorrow for Big Ten football and beyond as we recap the entire week that was in the Big Ten and certainly at the top, um, recap everything that's going on in the world of college football nationally. And, of course, uh, continue as we will do this time of year with lots more draft talk. And, of course, uh, check out the Pro Football Show where we've got a lot of information pertaining to the draft there as well. So appreciate you joining us and appreciate you joining us again tomorrow and check on over, uh, flip on over to the Pro Football Show. We'll talk to you there and we'll talk to you tomorrow. I'm Chris Landry. Thanks for joining us.